Yes and is a mantra that can be applied to every aspect of your life. These two words are ground zero for all creativity. These two words will help you shut down fear. These two words can change your life if you'll let them. Yes, I'm serious. And this podcast is on a mission to show you how. I'm Judy Holler, the host of Yes And. If Dr. Dre and Amy Poehler had a baby, um, that would basically be me. Listen, if you're looking for a no BS approach to life, business, and your mental health, then you are in the right place. So welcome to Yes And, where we smash comfort zones and navigate the unscripted stage of everyday life together. This is a Soul Fire production. You're listening to episode 62. Hey, and welcome back or welcome to the show. I am always so honored to share this sacred space with you, to be with you each week on your walks, your runs, your drives, and on your like personal development time. So I thank you for being here and I hope you are kicking ass and taking names this week. Okay, so it's Wednesday. You're halfway through the week. My question for you this week is, have you tried anything new yet? Have you gotten uncomfortable? (laughs) Have you mixed it up? The only way you are going to get braver is by working out that muscle. And the only way you work it out is by getting uncomfortable on purpose regularly. So in the fear boss community, we call this fear experiments and they are fucking gold. So if you don't know what a fear experiment is, get your ass back to episode 10 and go listen to it. Uh, if this is the first time you are hearing about fear experiments, but the bottom line is this, you've got to shake it up. That's what a fear experiment is. You've got to mix it up. You've got to take risks. You've got to get uncomfortable and you have to try new things. And guess what? I'm doing that today, right now, here with you. This entire episode is going to be sort of like a fear experiment, a big, juicy fear experiment. It's something new and something I've never talked about before, uh, especially publicly, but I'm starting to because I think it's important. And it's the conversation around alcohol, living an alcohol-free life, and what it looks like to move with and through sobriety, if that's your journey. So I did a poll on Instagram asking you if you'd like me to talk about this shit on the podcast. And 100%, 100% of you said, hell yes. We got hundreds of responses. So here I am. And here we are. We, you say, we, wait, does Judy now, is she like two people now? Yes. Well, no, I'm not two people, but yes, I'm not having this conversation alone. I invited the one and only Amanda Zayner on my team to co-facilitate this conversation with me because she has been sober for six years and has so much knowledge, insight, and resources in this area. So deep breath. I officially welcome you to Gin and Juice, baby, the monthly series on the podcast where we explore addiction, recovery, sobriety, and living life high vibe and alcohol-free. My goal is to have really high vibe conversations around this topic, invite in badass guests, talk about cool books, and share resources with you if you too are on this journey or maybe even sober curious. One thing I found when I started my journey with going alcohol-free, which I'm going to talk all about in just a minute, was that I was so fucking lonely. I really felt like I was on an island, scared, confused, and mostly so alone, and I still feel that way right now, standing here recording this for you. And I want to change that. The intention of this series in the podcast, this monthly series is to change that. So if you are sober curious, if you're alcohol free, if you're sober, if you're a sober warrior, join us. I'll also, by the way, have a voicemail link in the show notes 
every gin and juiced episode so you can ask amanda and i your question she's riding shotgun with me on this she's going to be my wing woman my co-host and you can ask us anything you want you, you can share your your stories your hot mess express memories ask us questions anonymously or not but we'd love to read them on the air and include you in some of these conversations. So use the link in the show notes to record your question. We are here for you. Palms up, heart open, judgment free. And OPS, if this isn't your jam, if you're not into going alcohol free and you're not sober curious and you don't want to hear any of this, guess what? Skip this episode and come back next week or share it with a friend who you think may love this conversation. So I'm excited to dig in. I hope you are. To, but first, I've got a shout out. You know we can't go any further without talking about our fear boss of the week, who this week is Tercy NYC. So Tercy writes this, I'm a wife, mom of three. My youngest was born on Christmas Day 2020, by the way. Oh my God, that's amazing. And a budding entrepreneur with a new business venture coming together. Thanks to Judy's podcast and her book, I have a new outlook on life and feel better prepared to face the new journey ahead of me personally and professionally. Tercy NYC, that is so badass. I am so proud of you. Congrats on being a mama of three. And what a Christmas present you got. And I am certainly here for you. Thank you for following along. Thank you for your review. And because you did that, you are our fear boss of the week. So yo, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Send me your best mailing address or jump into my email at hello at judyholler.com. Give us your best mailing address and then keep an eye on your snail mail because I'm putting something in the mail for you. And if you want to be our next fear boss of the week, all you got to do is jump into iTunes and leave a review. They mean and matter so much. All right. I, I'm back. Hi. And I'm not alone. I'm looking at the beautiful face of AZ, otherwise known as Amanda Zayner on my team. What's up, Amanda? What is going on? So happy to be back so soon. This is exciting. Dude, this is so great. And you are not just asking me questions. You are co-hosting the yes. Gin and Juice series of the Yes And podcast with me. And I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm super pumped about it but I'm also equally nervous. This is a big conversation and something that mm. is really, really important to me. And it's a very exciting time in history to be having this mm. conversation. And so I am jazzed. Oh, uh, dude, I am so excited you said that. And I'm so happy you told me you were nervous because I'm nervous too. Uh, that's what it's all about when you put yourself out there and you have the courage to try new things and the courage to suck and the courage to fail and the courage to be vulnerable. Um, I'm going to warn you in advance, there may or may not be tears in this episode. Uh, if you also have an interesting relationship with alcohol, drugs, addiction of any sort, uh, get your tissues ready. We're going to vibe check you. We're going to support you. We're going to love you and we're going to give you a space to come every month that is judgment-free and high vibe. Uh, and Amanda, just really just, you know, it's been so cool. And we were kind of talking about this before we got on the air. Like, you know, I brought you into my business Oh my gosh, almost four years ago now, right? And you were essentially at that time a stranger. You had seen some of my talks and I knew of you. And we sort of began our relationship like in a business scenario, right? And that has sort of, of course, blossomed over the years into so much more than just a working relationship. And um, what's been so cool is I, I've always believed that when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. And so, um, you know, you told me a year into our working relationship uh, that you were, were sober and I never really knew how that was going to play out or um, I never really knew how that would, would impact our relationship or impact my life. And it's been a profound place for me to be with you because as I've started to look at my relationship with alcohol, I've always sort of known you were going to be someone who helped me through the journey. Um, and I hadn't really told you that for years, but I've, I've sort of known that I needed to 
to do this for myself and with myself. And we're going to talk about both of our journeys in just a moment. So I want to say thank you for being you. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for, uh, for the first time ever publicly sharing your uh, deeply personal and, and powerful story with sobriety, because I know it's going to change people's lives. And I know that there is someone listening right now who is hurting, who is at a rock bottom, who is lost and who cannot get out of their own way. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to vibrate at high levels, if you want to extend and amplify the quality of your life, drugs, addiction, alcohol, it ain't going to help you. It ain't going to help you. And so when you are brave enough to really take a look at that, you can crack open doors for yourself. So Amanda, I guess just, fuck. Thank yeah. you for, for cracking open your life here today for us. <laughs> yes, thank you. And you know, you were so gracious when I told you and I felt like it was so important because for so long, I have guarded this mm. part of me, this part of me that I'm deeply proud of um, because I always felt like it would make people look at me different because if you looked at me, that is not what you would see. And we have done a very good job, us people that struggle in addiction, mm. of putting up a good front of what is you know, what on the outside looks great and on the inside is falling apart. So a uh, great conversation to have. Uh, thank you. And I'm, let's get started. I cannot wait. I can't wait. Okay. So before we get any further, cause I want to start with our stories and I'm probably going to have you go first. I want you to really dig in and share your story and your journey because yours looks different than mine. I'm on an alcohol-free journey. You are facing and in sobriety, you're in recovery. And those are two very different places. And we're going to talk about that as well. But first, uh, before we go there, I know you and I are equally so fucking excited about something. Something, and we just have to talk about it because I cannot not talk about it. Yo, we have just announced registration for the Spring Vibe and Thrive Masterclass, and we almost did not bring it back because we just ran the masterclass for our Vibe and Thrive Planner, where we teach you how to use it, uh, the science behind goal-focused planning, um, its mental health and mental wealth combined with high-performance habits. We did it in December and January, and we were going to wait until, we're going to do it every every December, um, virtually until we can go live, but we weren't sure if we should do it in the spring, and everybody's like, yo, do, we would love this again. Let's go, let's go. We had a waiting list of hundreds of people, so we're doing it again, and um, I'm really excited about that. I mean, Amanda, I know that you co-facilitate a lot of this with me. Um, you've heard such incredible things from the community. I mean, you're in our Vibe and Thrive alum page almost daily, and um, let's just talk a little bit about some of that impact and why it was so powerful. Oh, it's crazy because when we started the masterclass, I don't know that either of us could have really estimated mm. the impact, right? I think that we knew that it was important that we were going to teach people how to use a planner, but the community that developed as a result of the course has been phenomenal. So like, as I think about what excites me is, I feel like it really breathed light into our focus and direction for 2021. Mm as a business, yes. which is crazy because you think you're giving to someone else when actually you are always the receiver. It's, it's the way the world works. The connections that. that have been established and have been nurtured and people in entrepreneurship that have escalated their business already because of the relationships within the community. Mm. And to be honest, uh, I learned something because for all of this time that you and I have goal-focused planned, I use the weekly view quite different than you. <laughs> and we talked about it at great length. And now I use it the way you use it. And if it wouldn't have been for that masterclass, I would not have done that. So isn't that I something? <laughs> even you learned. I love when we can learn from each other. And Amanda and I have been goal-focused planning for the last five years and have really fallen in love with the process so much so that with the gift of time, the gift of time that uh, the pandemic gave us, meaning we were still hustling, but I wasn't on the road. We really had the ability to carve out this creative space to really decide and design where we go next in the business. And I think if there's, if there's one thing that keeps me up at night, if there's one thing I geek out over. If there's one thing that has changed my life the most, yo, it is a hundred percent goal-focused planning and, and really taking a goal-focused approach to my business goals and my life goals and blending mental health, my mental health, your mental health with 
the goals you have that you want to get done in your business and in your life. That is the way we really, really kick open and open doors and make and make big moves for ourselves. So we teach a course. It's going to kick off registration closes April Fifth, we go live. Our first class is on the 7th of April. It's a four-week course. Live, of course, is where you get the best bang for your buck. It's me. It's Amanda in my office. We go live. We break it all down. Um, but you can always watch on demand in our private group. We're going to link up to everything in the show notes. But here's the big thing. Because you are a podcast listener, you get 50% off, off this class, um, which is a significant savings. Um, so here's what you do. Just put that mastermind in your shopping cart and put the code yes and five zero, yes and 50 in the little code box when you check out and that discount will apply. And of course, you can get all the, the beautiful information and details at judyholler.com forward slash five and thrive. Everything will be in the show notes. But on behalf of Amanda and I, yo, we can't wait to see you in class. Oh my gosh. It's so amazing. People always ask for coaching. When is Judy going to open coaching? This is the best way to get coaching with Judy every week for four weeks. Okay. So I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while. And Amanda, I definitely want you to start and share your story, but can I first have a, a vulnerable confession? Cause I have a feeling it's going to be a podcast full of vulnerable confessions. Um, I wanted to cancel this a thousand times and here's why because I'm scared. Right. I get it. Um, like if I do this, if we put this shit on the air, <laughs> if we really do this, what if I have a drink and fail and let everybody down? What if I let myself down? What if I can't do it? What if I'm not strong enough? What if I change my mind? What if in a year I decide to have a drink again, the pressure, the fear, the unknowing, it had me in a chokehold, yet it was this fear and this space of vulnerability that reminded me that I have to do it uh, because I do not have a healthy relationship with alcohol. I don't know how to moderate and it's not helping me vibrate higher. And that is always my number one goal to rise and to live a fully activated life. And one that is clear and focused and healthy and wealthy and booze was holding me back from that time and time again. So here we are at the beginning. So let's just fucking start there, okay? Um, you have been in sobriety this time uh, for six, first, I love, I know that about you this time uh, for six years, maybe even a little bit more than that, right? Just about six years. Just It'll about six years in July. Okay. Uh, so talk to us, T bring us to the beginning and, uh, what helped you get sober and, and where are you at in that, in that journey? All right, here we go. Scary <gasps> beginning. Are you ready guys? This is the first <laughs> time I've ever done this publicly, but it is oh. important. And today I sit in ownership of the beauty that sobriety has brought to me. Mm. My name is Amanda and I am an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I'm a codependent. I'm an adult child of an alcoholic and I'm a love addict. I'm not a sex addict. I'm not the romantic kind of love addict. I am the love addict that's a typical Enneagram too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have also at different times in my uh, life struggled with addiction to food, to working out, to shopping and to people. Mm. I want to give a disclaimer. I deeply believe in the genetic components of addiction. Uh, there is some research that shows that people with light eyes, that's a recessive mm. gene, have a higher tendency of addiction. I did not know that. Yeah. In the second rehab that I attended, it was something we talked about uh, often. And um, it's pretty powerful. As I looked around, there are quite a few people with light eyes. Wow. And, you know, while AA may not be your thing, um, if this is kind of the journey you're on, um, I just want to say most people with some long-term sobriety do have a foundation in a 12-step program. And as a, also, in case you didn't know, alcohol is only listed in the first step of the 12 steps because it's mm. a program of living. It is a program of recovering. And so I want to say that because everybody at this point in time, in this day and age, knows someone uh, that has yes. struggled with addiction or has a family member and they've seen the wreckage 
of uh, what this disease can do, and it is a disease. So the first 164 pages of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is also known as the big book, is worth a read for anybody trying to understand more about themselves or somebody that they love. So on to my story. Oh. I attended my first AA meeting at seven years old, and I felt seven. Right <laughs> you were seven years old. We all Amanda. should have known then. So my mom is an alcoholic, and I was oh with her. My gosh, um, AA has been a part of my life for a literally. Really long time. And I got up there, and I was like, "Hi, my name is Amanda, and I have isms." <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, so totally true. So like legit. Wow. Yeah. So my mom is an alcoholic. You know, there's two kinds of families. There's the kind of family that looks really normal and is really great at hiding their dysfunction and they don't really talk about it. And then there's families like mine that their dysfunction is like loud, like a speaker, letting everybody (laughs) know. So we couldn't deny it. So we've always talked about addiction and alcoholism and mental health. It's nothing that's been swept under the rug because quite honestly, it just couldn't be, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Alcoholism is a family disease. Mm. So everyone in an alcoholic system gets sick. And a lot of times they have characteristics that resemble the alcoholic themselves. So Ooh, my mom. I say that again. Everyone in an alcoholic system, meaning your system, your family unit, if you've got an alcoholic in your family, everyone in that system is affected by that one person's disease. Wow. The entire family gets sick. And and there's um, lots of characteristics that can be formed. So Adult Children of Alcoholics is yes. another great book. My brother and I took very different forms of, yes. of children of alcoholics and the roles that mm. we played. Um, my mom is also an adult child of an alcoholic. So even if she never drank, I would have still assumed some of those qualities yes. because it's so significant in the, mm. in the construct of your personality. My mom's drinking was not constant, though. I had a pretty normal, loving childhood. Um, but she binged. So there are mm. definitely memories that as I got older, I understood like, oh, she was drinking, like she would disappear or something weird would happen. Um, and I always wanted her to like know how much I loved her. And so that her drinking behavior kind of was the onset for my people pleasing and my perfectionism. Mm. Uh, adult children of alcoholics kind of talked about the laundry yeah. list and some of the characteristics are approval seeking and an overdeveloped sense of responsibility hand raised i am raising my hand i am an adult child of an alcoholic too and uh definitely in my family as well and i'm raising my hand to all of these things yes guilt in you know standing up for yourself and definitely the fear of abandonment um Mm. that's a lot but there are so many people that deal with this so um i swear i was never gonna drink never i'm not gonna do this and then and then high school came and <laughs> oh high school <laughs> right. shit i have distinct memories of throwing up on my best friend's driveway and they weren't that drunk and you know until the last two or three years i was really in denial that i you know i believed that i drank normally at some point and you know they always say in aa that more will be revealed and, and it truly is and now i can tell you in full honesty i never had normal relationships uh, with drugs or alcohol, it was always uh, elevated. Yeah, because I liked the effects that it produced. I liked not so much who I became, but how I could feel relaxed because I had a lot of chaos around me. So yes, look, I partied a lot, and I sought out other people that did, like pot, shrooms, acid, ecstasy, whatever. I was yeah. down for it. Whenever yeah. whoever had it, like cool, let's go. And then when I in high school, a few things happened. My parents got divorced. My mom was diagnosed with cancer one month after my best friend's sister died of cancer. Mm. And my mom's drinking literally went out of control. Uh, Mm. Arrests, uh, trouble, all kinds of things. So inside of that, you know, I wanted to always say like mine didn't, but you know, that's where my addiction really took off too. Cause I liked numbing agents that could keep me calm and make me feel safe. Um, By God's grace, I got a job at Procter & Gamble when I was 19. So yeah. all of this is going on. Um, I I seemed normal enough on the outside. I was coping. And in 1999, I broke my leg very significantly. And I had surgery. And boom, I fell in absolute love. So pain pills were the love of my life. They continue, mm. uh, will always be that love. So that was my first real uh, daily addiction. So wow. for five years, I did anything I could. Uh, but mostly opiates. 
Wow. And Labor Day weekend of 2004, I wrote myself a note in a notebook that I still have and said, you are out of control. This is out of mm-hmm. control. You cannot stop. And if you do drugs this weekend in any way, because I promised myself a million times, you know, that I wasn't going to do it anymore, like you need help. And of course I did. Are you kidding yeah. me? A girl called and she had some coke and I was like, let's, let's go. go. <laughs> right. Because that's totally normal. Right. Totally right. Normal right. On a right. So that, um, that next, uh, September 6th of 2004, I left, like I was going to work and I literally mm. never, ever came back. I went to rehab. I left my boyfriend that I lived with. I never saw him again. My parents mm. packed my stuff up and I stayed sober. Um, can I ask you who got you to rehab yourself, a friend, a family member? How did that go? I, I pounded on my mom's door at five 30 in the morning. And I was like, yeah. I need help. You knew. And I have like 30 minutes because the, you know, opiates, you're physically sick very, yeah. very quickly. I mean, I would puke. I forget PNG girl. I would puke under my desk because they make yeah. you vomit. I would puke so sick my trash can under my desk. Shit. Like yes. total, again. Like, like, oh, I'm just sick. I must have ate something. Yeah, the lies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, the lies. The endless lies. And that's my fear of telling this because people are going to think I'm a I'm a liar. Well, and we can talk about that because not now, but when you finish your story, but that's why so many people, there's so much shame around talking about uh, drugs and alcohol and addiction because people are so afraid that they're going to be judged, A, but remember, we're always being judged, and B... That oh my God, will anybody hire me? Will anybody take me seriously? Will anybody ever work with me again? And I mean, yes, yes. And that is a real fear, which is why so many people stay silent and so many people don't. And I think we need to stop that shit. This is why we're being brave enough to talk about it. So other people don't have to go through it, right? Because yeah, there is light on the other side. So keep going. Keep and yes, I did lie. You're, and yes, yeah. I did sneak. And yes, I did. You sneak. own it. And I, I, I was all those things, but I was still all the other things that I still am. Yes. Still a good worker. I yes. still showed up. So I slowly, I, I stayed sober and, and in recovery for about five years. AA has always been in and out of that. I, it's not somewhere I want to live personally, but I respect the institution yeah. and all the things. So. I went back to school. I got my bachelor's. I got certifications. You know, I was a super high performer. And then I decided that I could drink because I never uh-huh. really liked drinking. Oh, this is the lie. This right. is the power. We tell ourselves, I got this. Yeah. Ah, I'm fine. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. They say I can have one cunning, baffling and powerful. Right. Mm. So, um, you know, secrets make you sick. And mm. I was, Ooh, let me just hold on. Let me receive that. Jesus. Yeah. Secrets make you sick. Yeah. Mm, keep going. That that that's big. Yeah. Secrets make you sick and they keep you sick. And I will I don't need to go into any gory details of No, anything. of course not. Um, you know, my mother also by the grace of the good Lord above got sober May 10th of 2014. Mm. And I truly believe Mama. society um was the avenue in which I could get sober. And so Uh, nobody really knew what I was doing. I drank alone. I drank Mm. at home. I Mm. drank every day, uh, excessively. And I still was a high performer. I still had this great job. I still did all the things and I lived a lie. And that lie came to a head one day when my life imploded as a result of completely scaring myself and definitely scaring my family. And, uh, that was on Mm. July 15th of 2016. And my mom came and I went back to rehab (laughs) (laughs) on July 16th, 2015, my life changed. I have been sober ever since. And while I will never say that I don't struggle, I don't struggle with desire to, I never use drugs again after I got clean in 2004. And people are always shocked by that. Never did drugs. I always knew that it was off limits. I'm somebody that fully understands. Yeah. Just like now, I know I can never drink again. Yeah. Um, I still do go to some meetings. I have sober support. While it's not AA, there's lots of options. But my life is good. And I have mm. peace. And I have no more waking up in panic trying to remember what I did or look at crazy text messages. Like, oh, the oh, crazy text. God. The shame. The sweat. Oh. I can literally sweat mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. about it. Yes. Um, 
you know, and since then I got my master's, I left my job, I've entered the life with you. Yes. Um, and this, this is what sobriety has given me. And this is what I want to hold on to because um, it's given me freedom, but mostly it's given me serenity and peace of mind. So mm. that in a nutshell is my story. And I hope that if you're listening, you might hear something of yourself in that and know that if you are struggling, there is, I did it twice. I have found my way out of this mess I've created of myself twice. And I promise you, you can do it too. Mm. And what a beautiful mess you are. Uh, and you have, you know what you're doing right now? You, for, for the first time publicly, have just done something. You've never, you've been in groups and support and rehab and you have so many people in your life and you work as a recovery coach um, and do all these beautiful things to help people. But you have for the first time publicly just made your mess a message. Yeah. And I think that is the gift in recovery on so many levels too, because if you're struggling with it, so is someone else. And I think, um, you know, you were the furthest thing from a mess. You are a beautiful mess. <laughs> we're all a little bit of a mess. You're a beautiful mess. <laughs> and I'm so, I just have to take a moment to acknowledge what you've just done and tell you that I love you. And I'm so proud of you and continually inspired by you and that journey. And I know some of your story, but there were things in that story that I didn't know. And, um, my goodness, thank you for sharing that. Holy shit. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for holding the space to do it. And, um, it's really interesting because still now, um, I'm afraid. I yeah. still feel right now like, oh my gosh, that my old coworkers who, I mean, there are some people I love, but most of these people, they don't matter. Like, I'm not going to be right. on my deathbed and give a shit yes. what, they what they care about me. And yet, yes, that roommate inside of my head mm -hmm. is talking to me about it right now. So I'm scared too. And it is incredibly vulnerable, but I also know that I've come a long way. And there is no telling what's possible in the future. So thank you for the platform. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing your journey into alcohol-free mm. and kind of how that started and, and where it's at. Well, uh, thank you for sharing your story. I was honored to hold the space for you there. And I will take the space from you as I share mine, um, which is certainly different. And, um, you know, we'll have a conversation about what the difference between sobriety and, and choosing to live an alcohol-free life is, um, you know, I've known, uh, so I too, uh, adult child of alcoholics, alcoholism has been in my family, um, all over on both sides. Uh, also a lot of mental illness, uh, schizophrenia, manic bipolar, lots of depression. Um, my uncle took his own life. Uh, you know, so lots of, and crazy, my, my, I mean, the, the, the mental illness goes so deep. My dad's dad, my grandpa Harris, my grandpa Harry, he um, watched his dad kill his whole family. And my grandpa's dad turned the gun on my grandpa. My grandpa was shot, jumped out of a window, saved his own life. And my grandpa's dad turned and put the gun on himself. And then, you know, this was in the like, you know, think about that, the 19, you know, oh my God, my dad was born in 40. This was probably the 1900s. So he goes next door to aunt's house who lives next door. And they're like, all right, get a bucket. We're going to clean that shit up. And he is cleaning up and putting a picking up. So my grandpa was never the same. And it really was rooted. His alcohol was alcoholism was rooted in that trauma. Uh, and that's sort of how it began. And then, you know, growing up in the depression and my grandma and grandpa had 10 kids and just, you know, trying to figure it out. And then the mental illness taking, and it's interesting sidebar story. Uh, my, my dad is the oldest of nine, um, nine living kids. And out of all of those kids, only my grandpa and my, or, I'm sorry, my dad and my aunt Bonnie had biological kids. The others are adopted. No one wanted to go down the route because everybody was so afraid of the of the mental illness and all the stuff, right? And so um, that has sort of rippled down into uh, you know my family unit, my brothers, uh, my sister, my my dad, and my mom was an only child of an alcoholic, uh, a severe alcoholic who um, 
who really made my mom's life hell. Uh, and as I figure out my relationship with my mom, I keep in mind that my mom had a torturous life, but my mom chose to not heal. My mom has chosen to be the victim instead of the badass that she could have been should she chose to heal. But it's interesting, my mom never drank or did drugs, but my mom is addicted to religion, like goes to Latin mass. She's one of those crazy judgmental Catholics, okay? Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of those. She goes to like a Latin mass. The bitch don't speak Latin, but she's got like the veil on and all the crazy shit and like speaking in tongues and no judgment, nothing against Catholics. You got a problem with that on follow this podcast? I am not trying to say that. Um, I promise. But my mom takes everything to the extreme, yeah. extreme. So while she wasn't an alcoholic, she was a shopping addict and she was a food addict and she um, was a religious addict. And my dad smokes drinks. And I had my very first drink um, when I was, oh my gosh, maybe eight or nine, when my dad would give me the maraschino cherries out of his old fashions. And I remember how that tingling felt in my body. I still remember it. It's why I drank. I love, it's why I started smoking. You get that same effect when you smoke cigarettes too. That first cigarette, that yeah. buzz, that hits, you feel your whole body come alive. And his cherries did that for me. And I remember I had these pop-up ceilings in my basement as a teenager. So I got I was the oldest and I got the room in the basement and, um, you know, we had these old like office building, you know, the kind of ceilings that like sort of push up and you can hide shit up in there. So, yes. you know, I'm hiding shit, right? I'm hiding, I'm hiding my things. I'm hiding my cigs and my beer, but I'd steal my dad's beers. And I remember being young and, you know, on my waterbed doing my like, <laughs> listening to Debbie Gibson drinking out of the blue drinking electric youth i was drinking the old style in my bedroom by my damn self by the way i have never told anybody that that's a young age right so i have always known and i've known for a while that i need to take a look at my relationship with alcohol okay and the pandemic sort of poured gasoline onto that fire. Um, I have also known for a really long time that if I want to operate and achieve and vibrate at really high levels, alcohol wasn't going to help me get there or stay there or be there. And I didn't have like a crazy rock bottom or anything. Um, you want to know what it was that really made me decide to really do it this time. I've faked it a lot. I've said I've done dry January and I've gone like 10 days and I've never fucking done it. I lie. I'm like, I did 30 day. I did not do that shit. I was like, I could barely make it two weeks, right? Dry January is really interesting to me. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I've talked very, very uh -huh. vocally about the pandemic being a huge red problem. flag. It's a huge yeah. problem. Rose like, all day. Were, thank you. Mm -hmm. And if you, Wine with DeWine, we're in Ohio, that's our governor's name. And yeah. Wine with DeWine not during his- I can't. Because that's the yeah. beginning of, it would drive me crazy. It was interesting to me that Dry January has become a thing. So for me, if you are, if you have done Dry January, that means you are questioning your relationship with alcohol. It says people that don't drink in any level of- Don't even access, think about it. Don't even think about it. So if you just think that that's a trend, I think that we need to look a little bit more deeply and seriously at that. Like it's a thing. And- Congratulations to those of you that have tried it. And any days that you decided not to drink are win. Sorry. Yeah, 100%. No, it's incredible. And that's such a good point. And I think we're going to talk about that as the series progresses. I mean, we're going to have all of these kinds of conversations. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I didn't hit like a crazy rock bottom. And I was leading, I was getting ready to approach January, but I was scrolling through my phone um, and photos on my phone. And um, what I think really made me do it this time was that it was this sort of like vanity metric paired with a deep knowing, knowing that I was going down a dangerous path and it wasn't going to end well. But the vanity thing was kind of a kick in the ass because my hair was falling out at a very alarming pace and I couldn't fucking figure it out. And I was scrolling through photos, trying to look at myself and pinpoint when my looks 
started declining. Okay. My face was feeling dry. It was feeling old. It was breaking out a lot. Uh, my hair was legit falling out. I mean, yo, I eat well. I work out six days a week. I get massages and use oils and live in a safe place and take bad ass supplements and drink green juice, but nothing was fucking working. Um, I did blood tests and hormone tests and did everything I could to not look at the one thing I did not think I could live without, which is ethanol, otherwise known as alcohol. And we're going to fucking talk about that. So every day I was putting in my body multiple times a day. And yes, you heard me say every day. I drank every day. I would drink alone every now and then in like 2018, 2019, I'd take a couple of days off. But in 2020, I could not remember. There was a time I woke up in December, this past December, and I said, I cannot remember the last time I didn't have a drink. I, I could not remember. Um, I was putting every single day, multiple times a day, the same shit. I was putting into my body the same shit that I was putting into my gas tank, which Ooh. is ethanol. Right. So um, no wonder my body and my looks and my mind started paying the price. I was numbing. I was numbing the pain from my past. I was numbing the pain from the pandemic. I was numbing the pain from the present. Numbing, numbing, numbing. No longer drinking for fun, but drinking because I didn't know how, how else to deal with the hard stuff. I did not want to sit down and look at myself. And Drinking has always sort of rode shotgun uh, to every major happy moment and celebration in my life. It's everywhere in my life, from um, how I met every single one of my best friends to how I celebrate every milestone to how I handle every hard thing. I pour a drink, and I've always been a heavy drinker. I I'm a party girl. I have been a party girl, party girl my whole life. I started bartending the day after I recovered from my hangover from turning 21, right? I started bartending 24 hours after I turned 21. I had my first drink, as you know, when I was seven or eight. And I've drank every day since then. And I think not every day since then, most days, most certainly as an adult, but most of my life since then. And I pause there just to say, you know, it makes me wonder, like, thank you, body. How am I alive? A, I'm sure you think that all the time because I smoke cigarettes too, you know, and all the okay. other things, right? So <laughs> good God, body, I love you. I honor you. So how can I take care of you? But what started as a, a way to loosen up, to talk to boys and be cool and get invited to the parties in high school uh, turned into a crutch. It turned into a part of who I am and it was controlling my life. Um, and I also really started to study and look at um, my spirituality. And um, I'm on a quest currently in my life to be more divinely feminine, to embrace a deeper side of life. And everyone that I'm sort of reading and learning from and following, um, most of the humans I look up to um, who really achieve at high levels, they don't drink. And if they do drink, it's maybe once or twice a year in a crazy circumstance like their wedding or, and even that's like a couple of of champagne if they even do that. They don't drink. So December of last year, I was laying in bed, scrolling at photos of myself, which kind of makes me sad because you know I was sitting there beating myself up. Um, and and it was specifically around that time we filmed with Rebel Pilgrim, which was in the fall of 2019. That's when I felt like I really had like looks like when I really it was that whole weekend. Remember how weird my energy was in that whole filming we did so of that video? Weird. That was, I, that was yes. really weird. Yeah. And it all makes sense. I mean, I have yeah. never, I mean, I looked the worst and felt the worst at that stage. And I was hiding it. I was running on fumes. I was filling my gas tank with green juice in the morning and fucking gray goose every night. I was tired and traveling and numbing. I was scared and sad and stressed out. Our business was growing at insane levels. We, we were trying to keep up. I was trying to stay sane and the pandemic hadn't even happened yet. Right. Things were supposed to be good. So I decided to do a dry January. Um, after my wedding anniversary, just this past January 2nd, and I was really going to do it this time, 30 days, 30 days of no booze. Okay. But this time I got support. I told you about it. I, my husband really knew about it. And I bought the book 
um, the alcohol experiment by Annie Grace um, to do alongside of this this 30 day thing. It's a 30 day experiment called the alcohol experiment. So every day you read a chapter and do some journaling. And it just sort of was a tool for me to sort of um, support me and give me knowledge along the way, instead of just trying to do it on my own. Um, and you told me about books like we are the luckiest and quit like a woman. So I was armed this time I was supported and I was educated and I was inspired. And I had a community of others who looked like me and felt like me and talked like me and went through the same things as me in all shapes and sizes who were very successful and killing it and running major public brands, but, but struggling in the same way. Um, so I did it. I hit 30 days and I was like, Oh damn, I feel fucking great. Um, my skin cleared up. I lost weight. I, I lost the fog. I mentally felt lighter. I did get extensions put in my hair that last December, but they take them out. So they move them up every couple of days. And I, I did not tell you this, Amanda, yet, but they, every couple of days, they move them up every couple of months and they take them out and like comb through your hair. And I, it has been two months. So today recording this podcast, it's day 61. I have not had a drop of alcohol in 61 days. Um, which is awesome. I haven't done that in my entire life. I could tell you the last time. And I was really excited for them to take my extensions out two days ago, three days ago and move them up because I wanted to see how my hair was. It is it is growing. Like my hair, I could have like, I love the extensions because they make me feel beautiful and they're fun and I'll keep them for a while, but my hair is growing back. And I almost start. And I told my hairstylist, I go, she goes, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I go, I quit drinking 60 days ago. And like, one of the reasons I did this was because my hair and like, we had this weird kind of intimacy. She was like, oh, okay. And like, but I was like, it's working. Like, you holy you shit. look different. I mean, I, I and feel I different. No, like, yeah. Other way, but I, you look different. My best when friends say the talk, same thing. Like, yeah. when it's toxic. It's toxic. Alcohol is a toxin that literally is in your gas tank. And yes, girl, ethanol. Everything looks different about you. Your eyes look different. Thank so, you. You know, congratulations. 61 Thank days you. is great. And making the choice, though, is even greater, but it's obvious. Like yeah, thank hair, you for that. You just look glowy. You look yes, glowy, girl. I feel thank you, babes. <laughs> I feel glowy. And so maybe vanity brings you, uh, opens the door for you. Maybe it is a rock bottom. Maybe it's a conversation with a friend. As long as you come to the space and and have the courage to do what it takes to push yourself into those uncomfortable spaces, that's how you begin to crack open the door. And listen. Um, you know, I said to Amanda, I said, Amanda, I think I'm an alcoholic because when we, I have so many of, of, of the patterns that, that most people who walk through it do. And while I, and this is a great segue to where we're going to go next, right. And we're going to continue to have these conversations every month. And we want to hear from you. Use that link in the show notes, record your crazy stories. We want to hear from you. What's your journey? What's your questions for us? What tools and resources? We want to play your questions on the air and have you here with us. And we're going to bring on great guests, but let me tell you, um, we're going to, we're going to go deep in this conversation, but I want to go next to have this quick conversation around like alcohol-free versus sobriety because um, sobriety, okay, so this is where I get confused. I I believe in my core, if I want to be honest and vulnerable, that I, that I was an alcoholic and that I am an alcoholic and, and, and I, I, I go big. It's like, I don't know how to do anything small. Have you fucking met me? So when I drink, I drink. When I smoke, I smoke, right? Like I go when I love, I love. When I shop, I shop, right? This is what I do, right? I go big. And so I, yeah, I don't know how to, I don't know how to woo. I don't know how to tone down the woe, right? I am woe. And that's, so, but I also, um, you know, th there are certain things in my life that I can pick up and and maybe put down and 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 and, and that don't um, elicit the same feeling alcohol does for me. Alcohol is a very dangerous place for me. So, what is the difference, Amanda, between sobriety and and just choosing to go alcohol free? Because a lot of people say both, and I think we get confused on what one is. And am I on a journey of oh, sobriety? Or am I on a journey of being alcohol free or where am I and who am I and what does it mean? Oh, help so me. This is the beauty of 
where where you are. You get to decide that. Yeah, cool. I can't prescribe things yeah. for you. I can't prescribe things for anybody else. Uh, to me, personally, and this is my definition, alcohol-free is a lifestyle choice. And a lot of people are making it. There's a lot of people realizing, uh, we have a joke in our family uh, that stemmed from something that happened with my mom's cousin. And it says, well, was beer involved? So, hmm. right? Like, yeah. oh, yeah. that happened. Oh, was beer involved? Because chances are, if something yeah. bad yeah. is if there was booze there. <laughs> there was booze. Not yeah. a lot of bad things oh, happen. Yeah. You know, things like, whatever, falling out of a golf cart or yeah. silly things. You're like, 100%. oh, beer must have been involved. So we have that joke. But it's a lifestyle choice. For me, sobriety is working a program of recovery. I can't ingest my altering substances. I know that about myself because I've already crossed a line. So um, there's a definition um, for alcoholism that ha- was really helpful to me. And it says it's the manifestation of an allergy in mm. which produces a phenomenon of craving. So I'm fine yeah. at zero. Uh, but if I have one, I'll have a thousand. Uh, and that's, yeah. Right. So yeah. it creates this need for more. I do it with food. I do yeah. it with everything. So yeah. I say, so it's just my personality and that can be incredibly valuable and helpful. These are really valuable things in us that have made you super successful. But as far as defining what you are, girl, that's for you to do. Listeners, yeah. that's for you to do. Nobody can describe that for you. They can't prescribe it for you. Just do what makes you feel better. Yes. And a lot of people say, hey, if negative, if alcohol affects you in a negative way, that alcohol is a problem. Whether yeah. you define it as alcoholism or whatever, going too far, we've all done that. Um, yeah. It's just if it's a negatively impacting your life, you should just take a look at it. I love you that. You don't have to put boundaries on it. You really don't. I love that. And I think why so many people stay quiet, it's a scary thing to announce that you're um, on this journey or to say that you're going alcohol free or that you have a problem with it because it is super lonely. And, um, you know, I used to smoke, I quit smoking. Oh man, I loved cigarettes. And I know it sounds <laughs> I so crazy. Imagine you smoking Can you imagine me? Oh girl, I loved it. What kind of oh. cigarettes did you smoke? <laughs> oh, well, I started with Salem Slim Lights. Girl, that's yes! what I smoked. <laughs> Oh yes, I grew up in St. Yes, I grew up in St. Louis, and I would get them from the cooks, right? And so the cooks at the at the restaurant I worked at Casa Gallardo Mexican restaurant. I was a hostess, <laughs> and they would give me their little like um, Salem Slim lights and all that stuff. And oh, Benson and Hedges, Benson and Hedges, we called them bitches and hoes. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first ever cigarette and I loved it. I loved the buzz. But when I became like smoker, smoker in college, it was like Marlboro lights. Look at how excited I am getting talking. This is the crazy thing about addiction. Like I can still feel how it feels to have a cigarette run through my body. I will not pick up a cigarette. It's the grossest thing ever. Right. And I'm going to make my point on this, but it was Marlboro lights and then parliament lights. What was your big girl cigarette? What was your cigarettes? Was it always okay. menthol? No. So now 100 menthols were my, okay. The truth I smoked whatever my mom smoked. Yeah, I wanted you took it from your mom. And then you we wanted them. to like share cigarettes because my best friend yeah. outed me. And then my mom was just the kind of mom that was like, we can sneak or we can be real. And we, yeah. you know, yeah. and so yeah. like, you got to smoke. So you smoke what your mom smoked. Whatever she right. did. But we smoked right. Salem Salon Light 100 for the longest. I can't. Okay. So when you quit smoking, everybody's like, Yes, girl. I'm so proud of you. They don't run around being like, oh, you're a cigarette-aholic. And you know, <laughs> like that doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? And everybody's proud of you and you you talk about it everywhere you go. But then you quit alcohol. And it is people don't know what to do with that. And they're not sure. And it forces people to take a look at their own relationship. And then people are nervous to drink around you. I mean, just the other day, I go out and I see in my garage, there's a bottle of wine because it was really cold sitting in the thing outside kind of hidden. This is now my husband's not doing this anymore because my husband still drinks a little bit. And so, but he was, he wouldn't, he didn't want to bring it in the house because he was worried. And I was like, don't hide what you're doing from me. You can, I can have alcohol here. Uh, it's going to be okay. Keep that in mind. I have gone 61 days and I've been around it and we'll talk in future episodes because we want to, uh, you know, continue the conversation about other things, triggers and dealing with vacations and so many things that you'll go through on this journey. Uh, but I was like, don't hide that. Like bring that out. Like it made me kind of like, but people are, they don't, they don't know what to do with you. Right. And so how about we wrap up this way? 
What are some resources right now? Let's let's give people, not all of them, let's DJ them out. But you share one book I, you think someone could should read right now if they want to learn more or want to be on this journey. I'll share a book. And then maybe we both share someone they should follow maybe on Instagram that's inspiring. Do you know any? Okay, so let's Perfect. share our Instagram follow, uh, a book we love, and then we'll wrap things up and keep the conversation going. Uh, but what what is a book you would share? What's the one you're going to pick? There are so many. There um, are so, but just one because we'll yeah, DJ them out. It's so, so hard. So, Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle was oh. the first, was the reason I fell in love with Glennon. And it is her memoir and it is her um, discussion on her own addiction. And it's really powerful. And Glennon's a beautiful writer and she's you yes. know come a long way since then. But Love Warrior mm. um, is one of my favorite books. That's a perfect one. I haven't read that yet. So I'll put it on my list. Untamed cracked me wide open. So she is a beautiful writer and a great storyteller. And she isn't afraid to fucking say it, whether you agree with her or or, or not. Um, She isn't afraid to go there. And I respect that about her. So Love Warrior uh, by Glennon Doyle. I I would have to say, um, uh, definitely quit. For me, Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. Yeah. Yeah. It's an incredible book. I figured that that's what you would say. I mean, literally... I don't even care if you're not interested in this conversation. Just yeah, just read the this marketing book. aspect, just it's the beautiful. big business aspect of alcohol, the big alcohol brands. It's scary. It's and like scary. You said, big tobacco, they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. And they're saying alcohol's the new tobacco. Yeah. That you know, we think about people used to smoke on planes. You used to go to a restaurant and be like, oh, would you, ma'am, would you like smoking or not? Right. Now you little little whippersnappers that are under 25 <laughs> years old that listen to me. I love you. Um, you will never believe this. Can you believe that? We would go to restaurants and they'd be like, yo, would you like smoking or not? Right. And we would be like, oh yeah, I'll take smoking. We'd sit and smoke in restaurants. We'd smoke at bars. We'd smoke in cars. We'd smoke in plate. Why well, I wasn't in the plane era. And we think that's crazy. Our brains can't process it. What the research is showing us and the books are telling us is that that is the direction alcohol is going. The world is slowly going to wake up to the danger and the toxicity and the poison. And it's so funny. I was with someone the other day and they were like slamming gin and tonics. And listen, I had no judgment. I could give a fuck. Like you do you shit. I have no judgment. I wish I I know. I'm like, you go girl. (laughs) I wish I could have that drink with you. But it was funny because she was, I was telling her that she should use bath bombs, CBD bath bombs to like relax or whatever. And she's like, bath bombs, do you know how many chemicals are in those bath bombs? And I was literally like, bitch, you're sitting here drinking 25 gin and and you're trying to tell me to not put an organic CBD bath bomb. And like, no, you're not, I'm not trying to tell you to go to Target and get the ones full of all the crap, right? But I'm talking about, there are some beautiful organic bath bombs and they do work, but I just thought that was the irony of it. It's just people don't know, right? So there's no they judgment here. It's just an education. Yeah. Wait, like read about it. Just if you're gonna do it, know what you're putting in your body. Cause you can go wake up and drink green juice, but then you can go to bed with a little gray goose. You're like counteracting you know, the two things. So, um, once, you know, you can never forget (laughs) once, you know, that's the thing information you will never not And Holly says that in her book, like you cannot unlearn this, like you will never unsee what you read. And so buyer be, beware, but quit like a woman for me, who are you following on Instagram that you love? And we'll link up in the show notes to all this. Yeah. I'll have to say the, um, you know, I am Sherry Hampton. Uh, mm. show notes, but it's S H A R I. She's really great. Uh, she's a black woman, um, in the community. Sherry Hampton, H A M P T O N S H A R I Hampton. Okay. Yep. I really love her content and you know, she does some lives, but she's got a really good perspective. I love it. Okay, cool. Um, I, I'm going to be so basic because I'm a little new and I forgot to write down a list of my favorite people right now. Uh, but I would just, I'm going to stick with Holly Whitaker. Uh, I love following her. T- the Tempest is one of the alcohol-free communities and sobriety communities. Tempest, the Tempest, is that I what it's called? It's Join Tempest. And Join the Tempest. The Temper. The so Temper. Yeah. Okay. So, so Join Tempest. 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 Group. Yeah. And then the and Temper. Then the is temper. temper. It's her newsletter and content. They actually just put out a badass article uh, for Black History Month, which which showed the top 10 Black uh, women of color. Maybe it was women focused, but I think it was top 10 Black uh, influencers 
that are alcohol free to follow. And I thought that was awesome. And um, we'll find that article and link up in the show notes. Uh, we can, we'll, we'll do a search up on that and get that up in our show notes. Uh, but they're always sharing really cool things. Yeah, so highly here's, inclusive. Yes, highly inclusive. inclusive. Community, like in every way, intentional. Yes. Uh, very brilliant about it um, and very educational about it too. Yes. And this affects women and men of all shapes, all sizes, all colors, all genders. Um, and, and those are the kind of people I want to vibe with. People that, um, you know, include everybody in the conversation. Uh, Amanda and I are going to also run another experiment, y'all. If you aren't on Clubhouse, come follow us. Hit that bell by our name so you can find out when Amanda and I go live and when we're on Clubhouse. We're going to um, create a club uh, where you can join and be alerted when we have conversations on sobriety and, and addiction and recovery and living and thriving alcohol-free. Uh, so make sure you follow Amanda and follow me on Clubhouse. We will link in the show notes, but make sure you hit that bell by our name to be alerted uh, to when we go live. Her and I haven't spoken yet on when we're going to do our weekly show because schedules change every five seconds. But our commitment to you is to try and jump onto Clubhouse once a week to break down um, or once a month. I don't know. Should we do it once a week? Should we do it bi-weekly? We'll see. Let's talk about it. But the moral of the story is we're going to be on Clubhouse talking about staying gin and juiced um, and living an alcohol-free life and, and support you in that journey and, and bring cool people to the stage to have that conversation. So Amanda, thank you for the gift of your time. Thank yes. you for your bravery and thank you for your sobriety and thank you for being in my life. This is going to yeah, be fun. Feel the same. And you know what? It's so funny. I was so scared. And now I feel electric. Don't you feel great? Because that's the beauty of getting rid of secrets. You know what? <laughs> yes. And you know what? My new favorite drug is getting high off my own supply, Thank right? You. And when, yeah. when you vibrate at high levels and when you really manage your energy and the people around you and the projects you take on and the way you think and move your body and all these things, is everyday perfect? No. But man, you can get high off your own supply. And uh, we'll talk more about that in the episodes to come. So Fear Boss. I hope you loved this show as much as we loved making it for you. We were nervous. We were excited. So talk to us. Do you like this content? Do you want more? What really landed? What resonated? Make sure you click the link in the show notes to send us your questions. You'll see a big link that says record your question or share your show or your story for the podcast. You can't miss it. And talk to us, share your stories, ask us your questions related to this topic. And also talk to me on the Instagram, send me a DM at Judy Holler. Let me know what you think about this episode. I love seeing your posts, keep them coming. And you can always email us at hello at judyholler.com with your show ideas, feedback, and Inspo. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for reviewing. And Amanda, this is awesome. I can't wait to do this again next month. And in the meantime, everybody, keep saying yes. And what should they do? Stay brave. Yeah, baby. See you guys later. Bye.